Hi, I'm Pastor Kaylee. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Wood Street Chapel in Fortuna, California. You can find out more information about our church at www.woodstreetchapel.org. So I thought today would be a great time for us to test out a new like all-day service model. You guys don't have anything we need to do after church today, right? <laughs> So I am, am so glad to see you all that, that are, are choosing to take time this morning to continue our, our study in Philippians, our study on everyday joy. This letter that has been written to the, the church in Philippi by the Apostle Paul, and today we're picking up in chapter 2, starting in verses 12 and 13. And it is, it's especially relevant in the uh, light of our current health circumstances and, and everything that comes along with that. And then when we take a look at what we're going to be talking about next week, uh, I'll just give you a little sneak peek and maybe this will be uh, either reason to come or reason to maybe uh, take time off. Um, <laughs> it's talking about not grumbling in anything. How many can, can look at this past year, this past two years, and be like, yeah, I can, I can receive that. <laughs> I, I, can, I can get behind that. If the church doors had to close, like we've, we've already seen across the nation, I have a question for you. How spiritually healthy would you and your family be? When it comes to working out our salvation, working out our sanctification, who is ultimately responsible? The, the word of God tells us that God is, is the one who's ultimately responsible. Let's be clear on that. But God works through our hard work. We're, we're supposed to be playing a part in this process. And, and let's be clear, it's not because our work is worth anything. <laughs> it's not because my best efforts are going to get me any closer to heaven, but God expects participation. The mature Christian has to show diligence and personal responsibility in their dependence in God's activity and work in, his, in their life. And it's this balance, uh, what we start seeing is it's a balance between what I am demonstrating in my life, the, the work that I am putting into being, being saved. That's what we call sanctification. I'm supposed to participate in that. But on the other side of that is Jesus Christ saving me. And if we look at Philippians 2, 12 through 13, it says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to the will and to work for his good pleasure. So what we see here and what we're going to be looking at this morning is that there's two parts to this process. There's my part, because I do have a part to play. And then there's God's part. If we look back to what we talked about last week, 
We talked about that every knee above earth and on earth and below earth will proclaim the name of Jesus as Lord. And while that's true, eventually everyone will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. If we look at at what we're seeing here in this scripture, I, as the beloved, we don't use that word very often, beloved. What What does that mean? It means that I'm loved. And it means that there's a group of people that are loved. Paul is writing to the entire church. It's a plural. You, beloved, are supposed to bow the knee now. We're not supposed to bow the knee at the end. One day every knee will bow, but today I am supposed to be bowing mine. This is about how my sanctification is being lived out on a day-to-day basis. Let's, let's have a, a go back and talk about what sanctification is. That's a church word. We have this, this process of church words that we talk about and that you, you see in the Bible and you, you hear regularly there's justification. That's where we've been made right with God. That's a point in time. That's the beginning where we have been justified. And the work done by Jesus Christ on the cross justifies us, makes me right with God the Father. That's what justification means. Now, after that happens, that point in time takes place, there's a life that gets lived until I get to go be with Jesus, right? That life that is lived is sanctification, is Christ working in me on a day-to-day-to-day basis, saying, this is how you are going to incrementally become closer to me, become more like me through sanctification. And then ultimately we arrive at at our our final destination of glorification, which is where we're with God in heaven for all of eternity. And we have been glorified, not because of anything we've done, but because of who Jesus is. And so as we go through this process of sanctification, of living out our salvation, We start looking at what, what does that look like? And, and that question that I asked of if these doors were closed, what, what would the health of your spiritual walk look like? What would your sanctification look like? Would it look different? Yeah. Should it stop? No. And, and so often what we see is there's this unhealthy codependence that exists in, within the church body that, that if I don't come into these four walls every five days, every seven days, excuse me, then that means that I, I just can't be a Christian anymore. That's not how it works. Yes, this is an integral part to growing. We've talked about that already. This is important to be here and to, to grow and, and lean on one another and be supported by one another. That should be happening outside of these four walls too. There should be a relationship that exists outside of these four walls. There should be life that is happening between all of us outside of these four walls so that if there was ever a time where we weren't able to meet here, I mean, it's... You know, we're saying if, but we were just there. <laughs> so th- this is very relevant. <laughs> if there was ever a time where we weren't able to, we, we can't just stop and put a pin in our spiritual growth and say, well, sorry, God, I can't do anything because church isn't happening. That's like saying to the teacher, my dog ate the homework. God's like, hello, there's other ways. And so Paul is encouraging this church from growth in the past 
He's saying, you guys have done an awesome job so far. My expectation, my hope, my prayer for your life is that you will continue to do an amazing job in growing in spiritual health when I'm not there, when we aren't together. Your spiritual growth cannot be solely dependent on being together with one another physically. Even in the midst of hardship, even in the midst of absence from one another, we are to work out our salvation. What does that mean? That, that's a weird word. And it's interesting because we're, we're at that spot and it's a, that word matters out because it's a very short hop and a skip to just my own work getting my salvation obtaining my salvation maintaining my salvation and that's not what this is talking about the bible never once commands us to work for our salvation you can't it doesn't work that way but we are to work out our salvation. You have a gift that has been given to you, the gift of eternal life with Jesus Christ. And now that you have it, you need to learn how to use it. That's what working out your salvation means. It means that you're, okay, I got this thing, now I need to figure out how to use it. So if, if I take my first prop of the day today, and Diana, I, I say, okay, here's a gift for you. <laughs> <laughs> so can you t- tell us all what that is <laughs> see so I- until you take a moment and you'd have to look up maybe the the serial number on it you'd have to maybe look up the brand and the model to figure out that's a power supply for a computer tower that's the thing that you plug in to a computer to make the make it work right and none of you need to know that probably jeff and i are the only two people in this room that actually (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) so if i give if i receive a gift one of the things that I need to do is I need to work out what it is. I need to work out how it is supposed to be applied to my life. And sometimes that's what salvation is. When we, when we start out our walk with Christ, we start out, we're like, this is a cool paperweight. And that's all we know. And that's exactly where God is ready to meet us. God is ready to meet us. At, if you think this is a paperweight, I'm right there with you. I will walk with you in that knowledge, in that understanding until you're ready to get more. But that's that's the sanctification part. That's the sanctification part is going from this is a paperweight to I know exactly how to plug this thing in. I know how to wire it into the computer. I know how to do everything that needs to be done to make this thing work flawlessly. And we're going to keep learning new things about it. We're not ever going to be the master of the power supply until we get to heaven to be with Jesus. And then he's like, this is how you use your paperweight. Does that make sense? Following Jesus is not meant to be a passive process. It's supposed to be something that we're engaged in. 
If, can you imagine what it would be like if everybody just stopped right when they received Christ and said, okay, I'm in, sign me up, I want to go to heaven, and everything stopped at that point, and, and there was no additional growth that happened, we would be a mess. It would, I mean, the church in general would just be a train wreck. There is, there is no way that the church would get to where it was today if that's where everybody just stopped. So what we know is that it's not supposed to be a passive process. It's not supposed to be a dull existence. We're supposed to be engaged. We're supposed to be working out our salvation. And if passive and dull are words that might be used to describe your current process, your current uh, level of engagement, then it's time to start asking God, where do you want me to go? What do you have in store for me? How can I move forward in this life? And maybe that's through reading the word of God, getting more involved in your prayer life, whatever the case may be. There is more to this life than when you first start. And as we look at, at what Paul is writing to the church in his letter to the Philippians, he's not saying, I want you, Jeff, to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. He's saying, I want you as the church in Philippi to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Even though I'm not going to be able to be with you, even though other people aren't going to be able to be with you all the time, work out your salvation. Don't stop just because I'm not there. Guys, I'm not going anywhere, okay? I'm not planning on leaving or anything like that. This isn't like some hidden agenda. I'm just saying, if I wasn't here, could we just say, okay, we're all gonna stop our spiritual walk right here until Matt gets back. We're all gonna stop our spiritual walk until Jeff gets back, until Diane, Steve, whoever is here gets back. No, we're not gonna do that. We will keep on working out our salvation because that's the call that has been placed on our lives. Maintaining a healthy fear of the Lord reveals that we know just how much our salvation costs. Because what does it say? It says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And if you are maybe not necessarily used to reading that particular passage, you start scratching your head and say, man, why am I supposed to be afraid of God? That seems kind of counter intuitive to what I've learned of, you know, God is good and, and kind and he loves me. Why do I need to be afraid of him? And really it goes, if you look at a healthy parent-child relationship, a healthy child and parent relationship where the child knows that mom and dad love him, but the child also knows if they do something wrong, there's discipline that's going to come. There's discipline because mom and dad love him. Mom and dad want the best for him. And so there's, there's consequences to, to bad actions. And so the child is, is maybe fearful of those consequences, fearful of, of mom and dad in that discipline, but at the same time recognizing that they are loved. Here's a a truth that can kind of make you stop for a moment. The way that we treat the gift of salvation 
is an outward demonstration of the value that we are assigning to it. The way that we treat the the gift of salvation that has been given to us is, is our life's demonstration of the value that we are saying it's worth. So we're saying that the the blood of Jesus is worth X, Y, Z when I live out my life in relation to that sacrifice, that that priceless gift. Am I taking salvation seriously? Am I growing with purpose? Am I growing with fear and trembling, recognizing that my salvation was bought with the precious blood of Jesus? Jesus. The creator of the universe, the king of all kings, the name above all names, he has paid the price for me. Does my life live that out? Am I taking sin seriously? Am I recognizing that that my life should reflect change from who I was? Am I being lazy with what God has given me? I'm not asking you to raise your hand. I'm not saying this is a time for us to all stand up and say, oh, we're so terrible. But this is a time for us to look at our lives and say, God, what do you want from me? What, what should change in my life so that I can continue to become who you've called me to be? So that's our part. What's God's part? God has never once been passive in your life for even a moment. And that should be exciting. That should be exciting to recognize that in every second of your existence, God has been intimately involved. And you look back at your life and you say, man, it sure didn't feel like it a couple of those times. (laughs) But he was right there. Our participation in this process, our, our participation in sanctification and salvation has been not for God's benefit. Remember I said a couple weeks ago, if I was not involved, God's entire you know, process of doing things would be substantially easier for him. <laughs> the fact that I am involved makes things infinitely harder. But he allows us to be involved for our benefit. If God is in and working through you, then what can stand against you? In that last verse, it says both to will and to work. What does that mean? What does it mean to will and to work? God is empowering. He's equipping us. When it says to will, that's what it means, is God is empowering us. God gives us the desire to get out of bed and say, I can face another day, not because of who I am, but because what God is going to do. Versus me wanting the world to follow me instead. You ever have those mornings where you just, can you just all do what I say? You get out of bed and just say, man, I just don't want to engage with anyone. I just, I just need to have a completely isolated time on my own. And sometimes that's probably best. <laughs> but God empowers us. He gives us the desire to continue after him. And then he equips us. 
What does it mean that God equips us? God shows us how. We get to learn by an example that has already been lived out. If we take a moment and just think about what does it mean to be an effective disciple? What does it mean to be an effective follower of Christ? An effective disciple is is someone who works hard with God's power working hard through them. And remember, that hard work that that disciple is doing isn't what's getting them saved. That's the the grace of God that has brought them salvation. The hard work that they are doing is the work of living out that salvation, saying, if God saw it to be important enough to send his only son to die on a cross for my sins, then my goodness, I can put some effort into this process as well. Apart from Jesus, we can do nothing, but God's power is alive in us. Kaylee, can you go get Eve for me? The success that I experience in the kingdom of God is only because God is at work in my life. That's the the important kind of second piece uh, of sanctification. Because sanctification, we always think about it as, as... putting our effort and energy into it and, and that being the response to what God has done in our lives. But what happens when that's successful? What happens when, when our efforts and our energy through the, the power of God bring and bear fruit? We can't look at those things and say, oh, well, that was because I just did such a great job. No, I, I'm, not, I'm not responsible for that. God is choosing to work through me, and so any fruit, any, anything that comes from that is also from God. I hear the footsteps. <laughs> Eve's going to help me for a second. Hey, honey. So I have a, a box, and don't judge me, we still have boxes of books from moving. <laughs> Come up here. So if I ask you to hold this box, it's really heavy, huh? Yeah, it, it's really heavy. If I said, okay, you have that box, I need you to hold it like all day, do you think you could do it? Oh, no, I don't think You don't think you can? <laughs> okay, so go ahead and set it down. See, that, that's too much. That's too much for somebody like Eve to carry. So Eve, come here. Come over this way. And so this is what it means for God to, to help us. So you pick it up. So if I'm putting my hands on Eve's hands, and now if I'm lifting it, is it very heavy now? Nope. No, it's not heavy. Because I'm holding it with you now, huh? I'm helping you hold it. Okay, that's all I need. Thank you. Go see Mimi. (laughs) 
when Christ comes along beside us. He says, I see your best efforts. And he also knows that our best efforts aren't going to be good enough, right? You're not going to be able to carry this load for the time and the distance that I need you to carry it. And he doesn't say, why can't you be better? Why, why aren't you good enough? No, he comes beside us. He puts his hands over our hands and he says, I can help you with this. And together, we'll accomplish the, the calling that I have for you. We'll accomplish the purpose that I have laid out for your life. Did you know that our sanctification, our, our journey through that process brings joy to God? It does. God, God isn't dependent on us, but our involvement, our growth, brings joy to God. He says, man, remember when Diane had no idea what that square box thing was? And, and now she knows it's a power supply? This, this is great. <laughs> and if we stop for a moment and, and look at, at your life, at to, to where you were and, and where you are today, I can tell you, and this is true in my life as well, I am not what I should be. But thank you, Jesus, I am not what I used to be either. This is the case for every single one of us. Yeah, we, we're not who we should be, and we're not going to be who we should be until we get to be with Jesus. That's just, that's the, the way this life is going to work. But if we stop and we, we look back over, over the past few years, we will see that we have been transformed. We have been changed. We have been shaped day by day to be more like Jesus. If you look back at your life and you just look at yesterday, and you look at the day before yesterday and the day before that, it's very hard to see growth, right? But if you look back a year, you look back two years, and, and you, you take those more immediate jumps, you're like, man, things have, have really changed a lot. in seasons where we might not be able to come together. How do you plan to spiritually grow? How do you plan to remain in that place of everyday joy? I mean, that's, that's the whole point of what we're talking about. That's the, the, the overall title of this study is everyday joy. How do we maintain everyday joy? What are you studying? Scientific American says this. They say muscle cells subjected to regular bouts of exercise followed by periods of rest with sufficient dietary protein undergo hypertrophy as a response to the stress of training. And because there are more potential power strokes associated with increased actin and myosin concentrations, the muscles can exhibit greater strength. 
When you do something regularly and you are uh, following other healthy habits, you get stronger. That's the, the map translation of that. What are you studying? How are you praying? Are you, are you choosing to stop and listen and to, to receive from God? Or are you just bringing your grocery list and saying, hey, I need this, 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 and this, thanks, bye. God wants to talk to you. God wants to have conversation. He wants to have input into your everyday life. How are you praying? How is your family gathering? I can't give salvation to my children. I can't give salvation to my wife. That's a, a transaction that takes place between them and God. But I can lead and I can disciple my family into the best that God has for them. How is your, your family gathering? How are you maintaining contact with the rest of the body of Christ? Remember what I said? We should not just, this shouldn't just be the relationship of, oh yeah, I, I know who Diane is. I just see her every Sunday at church. We're supposed to be doing life outside these walls. And I'm saying that feeling completely guilty because for 90% of you, if not more, that's the level of interaction that I have. That's me. That's on me. I own that. I need to do better in that because it, this is how we maintain growth outside of the body of Christ is by doing life together. The local area pastors get together for meetings every month. And there is this question of how do we, as area pastors, grow a stronger bond between one another? So it's, it's more than just a meeting once a month. There's actual relationship that exists. And really what it came down to was we, we have to have a time where we take off the pastor hat and do life with one another and say, this is, this is who I am. And church, the same is true for us. We're not different than you. We just talk more than you on a Sunday. <laughs> we have to take off our church hats because if we're honest, we're all wearing our church hat this morning. It, it takes a lot to take off the church hat, but one of the most effective ways to do that is to get to a place where you're saying, I'm, I'm ready to live out life in front of you. I'm ready for you to see what my daily existence looks like. You can come along beside me and see the struggles that I face, see the hardships that I face, the victories that I win. Come with me and, and participate in that with me. And when you do that, then you say, I know who Paula is. I know who Charlotte is because I have relationship with them. What needs are you meeting? And this is going to sound self-serving. It's going to sound like, okay, here we go again. The pastor's looking for volunteers and everybody needs to sign up for something. No, I'm not asking for anything. <laughs> part of your sanctification, part of you being saved is moving from the act of receiving to then getting out of that mode and giving to a place of recognizing the gift that you've been given and saying, I have been blessed so much that I now need to turn and bless others through the blessings that have existed in my life, whether it's my time, whether it's my finances, whether it's my talents, whatever the case may be, I am now ready and not only expected to, but now I have a desire to be a blessing 
You know, it's like Genesis 11 where, where Abraham is told that, that he's going to be a blessing to all the nations of the earth. The people of Israel were blessed so that they could be a blessing. The expectation is that we as followers of Christ being blessed through the gift of salvation can turn and say, I'm ready to now be a blessing to, to others. And the church in the West, the church in America is full of people that haven't made it past that first step. Of, of people that have, have received the blessing of Christ and they have stayed right where they are. Does that mean that their salvation is worth less? No. Does it mean that they are missing out on growth spiritually that Christ has in store for them? 100% yes. God has so much more in store for you. If we're always asking the question of what's in it for me, then we need to stop and we need to look at, at the priorities in our life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. God, we, we ask that, that you would make it abundantly clear to each of us what areas in our life need to be changed, need to be modified, need to be adjusted, need to be pushed through so that we can continue to experience exponential growth in the development of our salvation, God, in the development of our sanctification of becoming more and more like you. God, we recognize there is nothing we can do to earn that gift. You have paid the price, you and you alone. But God, my response, the, the response and the reaction of that gift in my life should be a desire to do what you have called me to do. God, I want my life to demonstrate the value of the gift that you have given. Let those that, that don't know you look at my life and say, Matt is, has been changed. Matt has been transformed. Let it be remarkable, God. Lord, as we go from this place, I ask that you would, would reveal those areas that, that need to be worked on, that need to be adjusted and trimmed in our lives, Lord. As we go from this place, I ask that you would knit us together so that we are a, a family that exists not only in the four walls of this church, but in life, recognizing that it's more than the four walls of Wood Street Chapel that bind us together, but it's the blood of Jesus. God, the common denominator between every single person here in this room is not that we come to Wood Street Chapel, it's that the blood of Jesus has made a way for us to be with you for all of eternity. We share in that gift together. We are brothers and sisters. We are children of the King. God, we thank you for that gift that has been given to us. Lord, as we move to our ministry time, we come this morning and recognize you are all-powerful. God, you are in control of our lives. God, we thank you that there was never once a single moment in time where we were alone. God, you were with us. God, if 
there are people here this morning that are feeling alone, Lord, I, I ask that you would, would just reveal yourself in supernatural ways to be the God that is with us. God, you have made a promise and your promises never come back empty. We thank you for that in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like more information about Wood Street Chapel, check out our website, woodstreetchapel.org, or email us, info at woodstreetchapel.org. Connect with us on Facebook to stay in the loop. 